Hello and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. This is the message given on Sunday morning, December 24th, 2023 by Tom Job from the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 2. I wanted to read to you guys out of, um, Lee and I have been doing a thing for Advent of just Emmanuel. What does it mean that God, the King of Kings, has come into our world, and how did it affect people who were there when it happened? And I wanted to read to you out of Matthew chapter 2. It says, um, it didn't always affect everybody the same way some people, the fact that the King of Kings had come into our world, it just kind of left them the same. Some people, it made them worse. And some people, it made them unbelievable and amazing. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? For we have seen his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all of the people, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them, Where is the Messiah to be born? In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet had written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come the ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And when Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. And after they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And they came to the house, and they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down. They worshiped him, and they opened their gifts and presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up and take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Lord God, um, the fact that the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Almighty God, becoming a human baby, a human being, we should never, let us never, ever be the same. Help us to understand this in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, anyway, one thing, um, I think I've told you all this before, but I did not know anything about Jesus and how he came into the world until I was 20. I didn't know. I knew there was a, a, a New Testament and an Old Testament. I didn't know which one came first. I figured you know, just like everything, first the new and then the old, and that turned out to be wrong, and I didn't even know what a testament was anyway. But, but the only thing I really knew about Jesus and Jesus coming to, into the world was from the manger scene that we had in our family, like we had seven kids, and my dad always brought this manger scene out. That's all I knew, pretty much about Jesus. And then when I started to read the Bible, I came to know Jesus when I was 20, started to read the Bible, and I found out pretty much everything I knew about Jesus coming into our world from our manger scene was wrong. So like, we, so there was an angel 
and she was kind of hovering above the entrance to the stable, you know, because she had a, a hook in her back, and that's how she did it. And she kind of looked like Taylor Swift, and um, but she, but and then I find out, found out that angels were like angels are gods, like they're they always scare people. They're gods, like special forces warriors, you know. There was a there's a, there's a place where David um, David was going to have to fight with the Philistines, and he was praying, and they were in a grove of um, balsam trees and he said God went he said tell me when I should you know go and God said to him when you hear the sound of marching in the top of the trees that's when you go and it's like and that's you know that's what they that's what they did so in Europe like in all the big cathedrals of Europe where they painted the where they have like the vaulted ceilings and they paint them to look like heaven the babies in Italian they always called them the cherubini and the, uh, the angels are called cherubini and they're always babies like they're uh, flying undiapered babies so that is not as awesome as welcome to heaven here's your umbrella welcome to heaven here's your umbrella why do I need an umbrella don't worry about it but you will <laughs> sounds more like the other place to me but the um we had three kings so I learned from the scriptures that there there weren't three there was enough to upset the whole city probably anywhere from 40 to 70 they weren't kings and they weren't there they didn't get there until six months to two years later and the baby Jesus we had was about um so Mary looked like Taylor Swift's mother and she was about 28 and the baby Jesus looked like he was about 27 28 pounds and that he had gotten there by UPS and so but and that, that is not how babies come into the world and I was there for mine I was I was a part of the greatest generation I was the first the, the generation the first generation of dads that they let go in when you know when you, you, you were having a baby and um, in the early days in some hospitals they made the husbands wear um, helmets because so many of them passed out you know when it when it it happened but so so I have been reading this book I've been a, this scholarly book by this um, by a man who lived in the early 90s and he spent 45 years in the Holy Land that's where he lived he was a fluent Arab speaker and a biblical scholar and what he said is a whole lot about what we have in our mind when we think about the Christmas story may not actually be in the Bible. Like the fact that Almighty God became a baby and was born to a young woman who had, by a miracle, and was born in the city of Bethlehem, all of that. But, is true, but the idea that Jesus was born at midnight in the bleak midwinter and frosty winds made moan, earth was hard as iron water like a stone and that there was no room in the hostel and that their family had turned them away and that they had to have the baby in a barn because of that he said that's not really in there and he said um so he said so joseph like when Joe and he said a lot of it comes from a story that was written like two centuries later, and that kind of was the narrative that stuck in people's head. But he said, so Joseph was, of, he was going to Bethlehem. A lot of people lived in Bethlehem who, you know, from other places. But Joseph was from the line of David. That was the city of David. Of, of David. So somebody like Joseph arriving there would have been pretty much a celebrity. Like he could have said, I am Joseph, the son of Hillel, the son of Mathon, the son of Levi. And people were like, wow, unbelievable. And this is my wife, you know. Um, 
they had gotten there several days before the baby came. So it said when, when they got to Bethlehem, then when the days came for her to be delivered. So it wasn't like they got there at midnight or anything. It wasn't wintertime. So he said there's a... Um, the idea of helping a young mom that was about to have a baby in their society was almost a sacrament. So in a society of honor, to have turned a mother like that away would have brought shame on like their whole village. And he said, so what? So people lived like in village, like people of the village lived in village houses. And he said, and so village houses were like this. It was, you would go into the entrance and there was like a, uh, like a foyer sort of thing and some stairs that went up to the main floor which was about three feet off the ground and it was just one gigantic room and that's where the family ate and slept and and um, it was their living room it was kind of their everything he said that's why when Jesus said if you light a lamp in the house it illuminates everybody because it's just like the room where everybody was all the time and so and um, but he said um, almost every house because hospitality was so important every house had what was, it, it had like a guest room, either attached to the back of the house or on the second floor where guests would be. That's the, so there's a word for inn or hostel that Luke uses in chapter 10, where the Good Samaritan took that guy that had been beat up. And so it's like a hostel. It's a word that means all and receiving, like they take everybody. The word that's used uh, that there was no room in the inn, it's the word kataluma, and it means that guest room. It's the same word that he uses in chapter 22 of when Jesus and his disciples had that last supper in a guest room upstairs, the upper room of a house. And he said, so the way, you and so what happened, like that room would go down and then right before he gets to the entrance, it would go down about three feet. And that's where they would bring in the animals at night because they didn't want people to steal them. And it would also warm up their house to have like their animals inside their house. Andy Morgan and I, one time we were in a little village in Spain and we were talking to the neighbors and the guy showed me in their house when he was a kid, we all lived upstairs and we brought the cows in and all the cows lived underneath on the bottom floor of the house and they kept us warm all night. So, and where that floor ended and went down like this, the carved in that stone was where they would put the hay. So if the animals got hungry at night, they could just stand up and eat the hay. So he said, the way you could look at it was the guest room was all full. It was not a place, a place to have a baby. So maybe all the guys slept up there and they brought Mary into their living room, like into their, into the main section of the house. And he said, so if the shepherds, like if the shepherds had, they all lived in houses like that. If Joseph and Mary had been in a barn somewhere, they would have brought them to stay in their house. So all that to say, you know, and I thought, and I know, so when I first read that, it was a little disconcerting to me. It, was, it made me feel a little bit uncomfortable to think that maybe Joseph and Mary's Family and friends weren't heartless, unbelieving jerks. And I thought, why is that? And I think it's because when I think about my, you know, I've always gotten some Christmas comfort in thinking those people were awful. Like if I had been there, I wouldn't have done that. What shall I give him as poor as I am. If I were a shepherd, I would give a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. I know what I'll give him. I would have given him my heart. Like, I, I am not, I, it's just always been so nice to think, I 
wouldn't have been like them. I would have been somewhat better than them. But um, so we don't really know for certain if Jesus, if Joseph and Mary's family and friends were cold, indifferent, and mean. They may not have been. But one thing I do know for certain is that I'm not better than anyone. The, the good news of Jesus, if I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to believe it well, that whole I am better than whoever is something that I have to leave behind. And it's not the only thing that I have to believe, leave behind if I'm going to do this well. So Christmas, so Christmas, Christmas, it comes from the word Christ. The Greek word is the word Christos. And it comes from the Greek word krino. The, the Hebrew word is the word mashak. It means to anoint with oil. And that's how they would tell, this is going to be the king. This is going to be the next king. This is the king of kings. And the one who was anointed was called the Christos, or in Hebrew, the Mashiach, the Messiah. And the mass part, it comes from the Latin word mitre, which means to send. It's where we get the word mission. Chris, Christmas means the mission of Christ, the King of Kings, the mission of the King of Kings coming into our world. And Christmas is the first chapter where the King of Kings and Lord of Lords was born into our world in a town by a road that led to Jerusalem. Later on, towards the end, there's the chapter where the King of Kings dies for me. Along a road that led out of Jerusalem to pay with his precious life for my trashy one, to pay with his pure life for my polluted one, because for most of it, I have not let him be the king of very much. And then there's the chapter where he rose from the dead and offers to forgive me for all the moments and all the places and all the times that I haven't really let him have anything to say about what I do. And the gift, not only of a new start, but also of a new heart, where he sits on his rightful throne in it. The, um, the gift, so, the good news of Jesus is about, it's about a gift. It's about a free gift. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul said, it's the gift of reconciliation. Like, uh, it's the gift of a new relationship with, with Jesus. Um, 
that had been broken. And now he's offering to forgive me of everything so that I can have a relationship with him. It's free, but it's nothing less than that. And he is nothing less than the king of kings. And I am inviting him into my decisions and into my day and into my life to be the king of it. Like theologians, if you would talk about like what uh, sin, you could kind of define sin as wanting to be independent of him, wanting him to have no say in what I think or do. Just, I just want to be on my own. The gift he's offering me is reconciliation. So like if a person wants to continue to be completely independent of him and not care about anything that he has to say about anything, they probably don't want the gift because that's what it is. And it's nothing less than that. I, th I think that um, one, what he calls it, what the New Testament calls it, the gift that he offers me is redemption. And the word redemption means to buy, to buy something. That Jesus died and rose again to buy me, like he wants to, he wants to own me, like he wants to own like all of me. The, the, the first verse I ever, it was, it was kind of like, um, it was kind of like the first face you ever see when you're born, like it makes an impression on you. The first scriptural verse I ever knew uh, after I came to know Jesus, I went to this church, it was in California, and on the back of the wall of the church, behind where people were talking and they were doing music and stuff, it said, it, was, it came from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, and it said, you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. And I, so, so I understood that, like, the love that he's offering me, it's because he wants to own me. Because he wants all of it. He wants all of me. Uh, I, I think for a lot of times, um, when you accept Jesus, that's kind of a growing realization. You may not understand that completely when you trust in Jesus and you believe in him. But as you come to know him, because you really, really want him in your life, but as you come to know him better, it kind of grows in your heart and mind. You want something for me, like you want me. You want a relationship with me, and you really kind of want to own me. That when, when, when Peter and the guys that were, became the followers of Jesus, the first day they ever met Jesus, it's only told to us in John chapter one, and John and, 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 and Peter's brother were just met Jesus at that day. And he said, what are, you, what are you looking for? And they said, where are you staying? And he said, come and see. So they didn't know anything about him, but that was kind of the first inv invitation. Come and see, come and just come and learn, come and find out some stuff about him. So for about a year, they did kind of follow him around and go to things and learn things about him. And when they really kind of understand who he was and what his heart was, he said to them one day, I want you to leave your job. Come and follow. Well, they did that and they quit their jobs and they followed him for about two years. And they really understood, began to understand who they were involved with. 
And he started to tell them for the very first time um, what he had come to do. He had never talked about it. This was about six months before it happened. But that he was going to go to Jerusalem and that he was going to give his life for them. And then he said, now that you know that, if you want to follow me, there's a cross for you. Luke said you, in chapter 9, you need to take it every day. I want all of you. And there is a place in chapter 14 where he said, I mean, it's the, it's the most difficult thing I think that he said of how much he wanted from them. But he said, if anybody wants to follow me, it has to mean more to you than your father and your mother, your wife and kids. He said it harder than that. More than your wife and kids, more than your brothers and sisters. It has to mean more to you than your own life also. It has to mean, it, it has to mean more to you. You have to give up everything you own or you can't be a follower of me. And I'm like, what, what are you saying? And in just thinking about it, at least I know this, that one thing that he was saying was, if you want to live well, this relationship of Jesus being like the king of your life and the one who tells you what to do, tells you what not to do, and you're really, really super interested in that, there are some, to really, really do that well, there are some things that you have to leave behind. You're going to have to leave some things. One of them is the approval and the affirmation and the acceptance of your family and your friends and pretty much everybody. Like, you love everybody, but if you're going to follow Jesus, you have to get to a place where you say, I love everybody. I don't care what you think of me. Um, Paul said, I'm not trying to please y'all in the book of Galatians or anybody else. If I was trying to please people, I couldn't do what Jesus is asking me to do. Because sometimes Jesus is going to ask me to do things that maybe people in my family or my friends or people that I really care about are going to think is stupid. He's going to ask me to forgive people that they would think it's stupid for you to forgive that person. And I have to not care what they think of me. And sometimes they might ask me to do things that Jesus would tell me, if you do that, you're going to break my heart. So I have to get to a point where I don't really care. I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus as my king. I love everybody. I don't care what they think of me. And I also have to lose my attachment to stuff and especially my attachment to money because there's something about money. I don't have to give up, you know, you don't have to lose your attachment to pickleball or your attachment to your dog. Like you don't have to give up your dog to walk with, to walk with Jesus. But there's something about money where um, more than other things in this world, money offers you seems to offer you what only Jesus the King can offer you, security, worth as a person, a sense of love. And if he's going to be my king, he may not ask me to give, he has asked some people, he may not ask me to give him all of my money. He does ask me to give up my right to say that it is my money. Um, 
and I have to leave behind, I guess you would call it autonomy. Like he said, your own life also. Autonomy means, nomos means law or rules, and the auto part means myself. I make the rules for my life. I'm the one who says what's right. I'm the one who says what's wrong. I'm the one who says what's good. I'm the one that says what's bad. I'm the one who says what I will do. I'm the one that says what I won't do. I have to let him tell me that. I might not even understand it, but I have to let him tell me what is right and what is wrong according to the words that he said, according to the way the spirit leads me. And I'm going to listen to him and not listen to me. If I am going to let him be the king of everything and to sit on the throne of my heart and to be the king of my life, there are things that I have to leave. Um, I think the deal with Herod was that, so he was the king of, so Israel was just like a little state between two gigantic empires, the Roman Empire and the Persian or the Parthian Empire. And the Magi were, they were like astrologers and they were the ones who said, who's gonna be the next king? And by looking at the stars, they could tell who was gonna be the next king. So in 50 AD, like the Romans, so the Romans were trying to take over the Israel and conquer them. And then they went over and, and attacked the Parthians. They came down and kicked their tails. They kicked them out of Israel and and kick them back. Then, Mark, then in 40 AD, Mark Anthony tried to do it again and went over and tried to mess with the Parthians. They kicked him out. And then they put Herod's dad as kind of the king of that little thing. They kicked him out. And then Augustus finally in like 37 BC, he took control of the place, put Herod in there. It took him three years to get control of that joint before he could really be in control of all of it. So when Magi came from the Parthians to say there's a new king in town, Herod was like, I have fought for what I have. I have fought for the power that I have, for the privilege that I have, for the place that I have. Nobody's taking it from me. And he became worse than he had ever been. So if Jesus is gonna be the king of my life, I'm gonna to have to leave some things. I'm gonna to have to learn some things. So when the Magi came to Bethlehem, they, um, they said, so where is he who's born you know, the, king of the, the king of the Jews? For we have seen, it was hard to, it was Saturn and Jupiter in a conjunction in the constellation of Aries, or I'm not sure exactly what people say, all kinds of things, but we've, so we know the, kings, the, king, the king of kings has been born. Where is he to be born? And so they asked the biblical scholars, and they said, okay, where, oh, it's in Micah chapter five, da da da, let's find it, da, da, we read it, da, da, it's, Mike, it's Bethlehem. So how do you get to Bethlehem? Bethlehem, okay, so you go down this road, go about five miles, you take your second right and your first left, and that'll take you to Bethlehem. But they didn't go. They didn't even go. It's like, why didn't you go? We don't need to go. We know everything. 
No, you don't know. Yeah, we know everything. We like know the entire Bible. We know everything. There, in in um, Romans chapter 12, there's a place that say, I beseech you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present yourself, your bodies, your time, everything. Present it to God as a living sacrifice. It's something that comes from Le uh, Leviticus chapter 1. It's a sacrifice that people would make. Lots of times you would sacrifice an animal if you did something bad. But this was one that says, my, God, I want to tell you that my life is yours. My time is yours. My whole life is I'm giving this animal. I'm going to burn the whole thing up. It's my way of telling you, I want you to be the king of everything. And Paul said, I, I beseech you to do that because it's your spiritual service of worship. And the word spiritual is the Greek word logicus. It's the word that means if you, to let Jesus be the king of your life and your time and your choices and everything about you, it's just logical. What do you mean logical? Well, just think about it. So when I think about Peter, the first day, so about two and a half years later, Jesus took his disciples up to, on a retreat. And he said, who do people say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ, you're the King of Kings. And Jesus said, that is so amazing. God has revealed that to you. Okay, so no, I mean, he knew that the very first day he met Jesus. Um, Andrew said, we found the Christ. And Peter met him. He knew he was the Christ. That's not what he was saying. But then he began to learn. He began to learn about the, the king, the king of kings who wants to rule everything. And the very first miracle he did in chapter 2 was to create, to make sure that a wedding kept going, that they were having like tons and tons of fun. It was lasting days and days. They were about to run out of wine. By a miracle, he made 120 gallons of it because weddings were important to him, because celebrating love was important to him, because it was like, and it was like, Peter like, you really think love is important. You really think celebrating love is important. You really think joy and love is important. I didn't know that about you. Then um, a couple of chapters later, Jesus is reaching out to a woman. A woman, we don't really think they count very much. Well, they super do. Well, she's a Samaritan. We hate them. Well, he super doesn't. And it's like, you care about her? And then, before you know it, he's calling Levi, a tax collector, and Peter's like, you care about him? Like, he's been ripping, he's been charging me 45% taxes on all my fish for my whole life. You care about him? And then, before you know it, they're going across the sea. He has to steal a storm and do a miracle because there's somebody waiting on the beach. It was a guy that was full of evil spirits, and Jesus healed him, and he was a gathering. He was a Canaanite. You care about him? And then, before you know it, he sends him home to tell everybody in his town what Jesus had done for them. They asked Jesus to come and spend a lot of time with them. They ran out of food, and he miraculously made food for over 4,000 Canaanites. Canaanites, you care about them. You care about everybody. The, so when Jesus, when he said, who do people say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ. He already knew Jesus was the Christ. The thing that he hadn't known was that the Messiah would be Jesus, that the Messiah would be like him, that the Messiah would love everybody. There would be a time when Peter would discover that Jesus loved Peter enough to give, he had come here to give his life for him. And Peter thought, if I knew a person like me, I wouldn't give my life for me. You love me more than I love myself. You love 
everybody. This kingdom that you're advancing is a kingdom that advances by love. I would let you tell me anything. I would do anything you ask me to do. I have never met a heart like yours. So I think, I think to really, really walk with Jesus as the king of your life, as like letting him, letting him decide what happens, letting him decide what to do, letting his teachings determine what you think or don't think or choose or don't choose. You have to leave some things and you have to learn some things. <sighs> um, and I was thinking about the mad, these magi. And I was trying to think of another L. Because I'm an old man. And I have to think of things. Like, they all have to start with the same letter, or I forget what they are. And the only L I could come up with was, you have to do the thing. Like, you have to do, like, if you really want Jesus, to be like the king of your life, like the king of your life. You gotta do it, like you gotta live it. Like you gotta say, I'm gonna do this. Like there's a, um, there's a, so the Magi, so they discover from this constellations and all this conjunction of star da da, the king of kings has come into our world. That is so awesome and amazing, wow. So cool. And then one of them said, let's go. What? They didn't have to go anywhere. Let's go. It's 900 miles. Let's go. It's going to be dangerous. Let's go. We know where he is. He's on a mission. We don't know where this mission is going to take him. It may take him to Africa right off the bat, which it did right off the bat. And they had taken gifts that funded that trip right off the bat. But this might be our only chance to worship him. This might be our only chance to give to him. And I think that, that that's, like the, that's like the only thing that I would want to say is to make Jesus the king of your life, you got to live it. Like you got to just do it. Like, do the things. Like, do, be a person who just does the thing. Like, do the things that Jesus is, is asking us to do. Like, he's, um, there's some things. Okay, so, I'm going to be 70 soon, and I'm going to kind of go, like, retiring when I'm 70. And, and so, there's, there's this psalm that, it started to really become the psalm of my life, like, in, um, 1980, when we first went to the seminary, it was the 90th Psalm. And one thing, the 90th Psalm, is you only get one life, and it gets over pretty quick. And in fact, you really only can count on about 70 years. So you should, maybe 80, 70. So teach us to count our days. So I counted how many days I had till I was 70. From that point, it was 17,270. This is like your only day. Make every day count. This is your only chance. Make every day count. I have 226 left. You know what I mean? And it's like, this is going to be, there's some things that you can only do down here. You can only suffer 
with a joyful attitude on earth. This is the only place you can do that. You can only love somebody into the kingdom of God who's a marginalized down here. If they get into the kingdom of God, those people are going to be on the front row, you know? You can only tell somebody about Jesus down here. This is the time, like, to do the thing. So if Jesus, oh, okay, so... Um, this is the last time I'm going to speak for a while on Sunday morning because Lee's kind of taken over for me, so I'm just going to say something. When you come here to worship, do it. Like, do the thing. And if he asks you to sing, sing. And if he asks you to clap your hands, clap your hands. Like, it's a biblical thing. If you're a person who doesn't really let go, let go. In 2024, let go. Do, do it. Do the thing. Like, you know, when people meet to pray, so we meet to pray. And God has done stuff. We've prayed that this room would be full. We haven't done anything else but pray. And it's full. We've got to find places for people to go. Because we meet and we pray and we intercede. And we've, we've prayed for people to get jobs. It seemed impossible. And it happened. We prayed, we prayed for an inmate who is a student in my class that I love. He's 38 years old. He's been in prison since he was 12 years old. He was going to be transferred to another prison. On, we asked God that he might not be translated, that he could stay in my classes. And they canceled it. Um, we, have, we are praying for brothers and sisters in Christ in Israel today. Brothers and sisters in Christ who are Palestinian. Brothers and sisters in Christ who are Israeli. In times of great suffering that they are going to be able to share the message of Christ and the love of Christ in ways that we'll never hear about on the news. But I believe in heaven we'll hear those stories because we've asked God to do it. And so like if you ask God, should I go to the thing? Do what he tells you and do it. You have a task to do. God has something for you to do, to do in this world. He has something. Let 2020 be the year that you say yes to Jesus Christ. Whatever you tell me to do, if you're asking me to forgive someone, I'm going to do it. If you ask me to ask someone to forgive me, I am going to do it. I have left some things. I have learned some things. And I want to live this life that in the time I have left with Jesus being the king of it. And in 2024, if he asked me to do anything, I am saying yes. Lord Jesus, you died and rose again to make our lives more wonderful than they could have ever been in any other way with you on the throne and you ruling it. We want to say yes to you. If there's somebody in here who has something that they know good and well that you're asking them to do, Holy Spirit, give them the freedom to say yes to the most loving heart of all the universe. That the greatest thing they could possibly do for themselves and for this world is to say yes to Jesus Christ in everything, every day. Amen. It's a cool night. She lays a soft head down.
Into the town 